most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and this is our AFC East edition. Uh, I will be joined, or I am joined, I should say, right now by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, what's going on? What's going on? Uh, any exciting plans for uh, Fourth of July weekend? Nothing yet. I'm just uh, kind of playing it by ear. See what's up. Wow, what about you? Uh, I'm just I'm trying to get through today, um, but <laughs> uh, nothing nothing crazy. Hopefully, go to the beach a couple couple days or so and chill. Um, but yeah, all right. So. As you guys know, if you've been listening, uh, we're going to go over every player that's fantasy relevant uh, on the, in the AFC East in this episode. Uh, before we jump into the pod, just want to let you guys know that if you rate and review the podcast, we will call out a lucky winner uh, with our favorite five-star review right here on the show. And that winner will receive a free year of Action Network Pro, where you can get our weekly fantasy rankings and all that good stuff. So uh, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple, and uh, you'll be eligible. Uh, this week's contest winner is T Stein seven eight nine. So T Stein seven eight nine, thank you for the review. Congratulations, and hit up podcast at actionnetwork.com to claim your free year of pro. Sean, let's start with the Buffalo Bills. How are you approaching Josh Allen this year? I know he's. Uh, he, I, I think he's rightfully the the QB one, but uh, does he fit into your draft plan, or is he going a little bit too early for uh, for quarterback? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good question because I, I typically don't like to be, um, you know, the first person in a draft to draft quarterback, but he seems like the exception because I mean, he's finished QB one overall each of the past two seasons. Um, you know, barring injury, he's the heavy favorite to do that again this year. I mean, what's not to love about him? They, they're they a very pass-heavy offense. They threw at the highest rate on early downs last year um, in neutral game situations. And he's, you know, typically their leading rusher as well. So, I mean, he's got everything going on. The situation's pretty much the same this year. I think it, it might be a little bit better. Uh, the, the only concern really is he's losing offensive coordinator uh, Brian Dable, uh, which, you know, I'm slightly concerned about, but they're they're hiring from within. So Ken Dorsey was their... QB coach. So I'm expecting the same offense. So that's, that's good. He's going to have continuity there. Um, he loses Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, but he's getting Jamison Crowder and they're going to unleash Gabe Davis. So I, I think you could argue that that's kind of an upgrade uh, in, in that uh, aspect, but yeah, I, I mean, he's uh, QB one in a tier all by himself. So I think um, if there were ever a time to draft QB first, it would be this year with Josh Allen. Yeah, I agree. I think he's absolutely in a tier by himself. Now that you know Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill, yeah, um, you know Brady's getting a little older and may have some some injuries to deal with um, in his receiving core as well. So, um, do like Josh Allen. I think he's more of a best ball play for me 
just because, you know, kind of mixing up the exposures and, and things like that mm-hmm. in a typical fantasy draft, just a redraft. I trust my ability um, to find a, find a quarterback a little later on. There's, there's a ton of them, I think that offer value weight um, that I'm, I'm just trying to stock up on, on running backs and receivers, but yeah, nothing to really complain about with Josh Allen. <laughs> nope. Uh, all right. Stefan Diggs. I feel like it's kind of the same, same situation. It's like, you know, nothing really to, to complain about. He's the unquestioned number one receiver of the, you know, MVP favorite quarterback in Josh Allen. But any thoughts on Diggs this year? Yeah, no, I, I think he's uh, where he needs to be going at wide receiver five. And, um, you know, guys like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown all changed teams. And you could certainly say their value took a hit. So the top fives opened up. Uh, Diggs is in the same exact situation as he has been the past couple seasons. Like you said, he's Josh Allen's number one target. So that's that's very valuable. Um, and, you know, last year, his uh, catchable um, target rate was down a bit. So I expect that to go up. Um, you know, he, he had an 82 percent catchable target rate uh, his first season with Josh Allen. And then last year dropped to 72 percent. So you could argue that could be a little bit better this year. So uh, love digs at wide receiver five and really that that mid wide receiver one tier is there's so much upside that I do like to come up with at least one of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think and you and I were both uh, hanging out watching the game where Gabe Davis went absolutely <laughs> bonkers, bananas, nuclear, whatever, nuclear, almost pulled a George Bush. Uh, but I, I feel like that almost messed things up. Oh, I know <laughs> for his value, because now he's going where he should. Like I have him in the mid thirties in my wide receiver rankings. Um, my question to you is, you know, last year, I think, you know, we, he never really got to a spot in terms of his routes per game routes run per, per drop back percentage that we want him to see it until maybe, you know, in the playoffs, um, what are you projecting him in terms of routes run this year? Oh, routes run. Um, you know, I would say it's going to be consistently above 85%, right? I mean, he's, he's going to be on the field all the time. Crowder would be the guy that they, they pull off the field when they're in two wide formation. So yeah, I think that, you know, and this time last year I was super high on Gabe Davis and then they signed Manny Sanders probably, you know, shortly after July, I, I forget when it was, but then I knew uh, we were gonna have to probably wait at least one more season for Gabe Davis to go off. And then we, we sort of saw that happen in um, weeks 14 through 18, when Manny Sanders was down, um, you know, Gabe Davis was running around around 85 to 9% of the time. And he averaged uh white, he was wide receiver 22 in terms of average uh, half point, half PPR points per game. So I think that's what we could expect, right? He, he has, de- he definitely has the upside to be, you know, wide receiver two, but I think sort of in that wide receiver three range sounds fair. Um, I agree. I think that that blow up game, that nuclear game um, raises ADP, I would say 10 slots. Like (laughs) if he didn't have that game, he'd probably be in the forties and you know, that'd be the sweet spot to take him. But yeah, I would still kind of target him in the, you know, wide receiver 33, 35 range because I think he has top 30 upside. Um, where, where do you have him in, in terms of routes run? Are you over 85%? Yeah, I'm right at 85 oh, okay. uh, he's, and he's my wide receiver 33 and, and half PPR. So I'm pretty much in line with ADP, but that's, it's just disappointing. Cause I like him so much that I wanted to just grab him as a value. Now I'm still going to draft him. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with him. Anytime you're looking at, you know, guys in this range, I think, you know, having that quarterback 
you know, if you're not going to, if you don't have the upside to be like the team's number one target, which unless yeah. Diggs goes down, I don't think he will be, but um, you still have that MVP favorite at quarterback. So I think that, that and he's a very talented guy. How about um, touchdowns? How many touchdowns are you projecting? Cause I mean, he has some ridiculous, um, you know, rate stats when it comes to, comes to touchdowns. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dialing back a bit, but he's proven to be, you know, like one of Allen's favorite uh, red zone targets. I'm um, for seven, seven scores. Oh, okay. I have six and a half, which I think is being a little conservative. So um, I would not be surprised if he scores double digit touchdowns this year though. Right. I mean, yeah. he has, certainly has that upside. My favorite uh, sleeper on this team. Well, I have two, but one of them <laughs> is Jamison Crowder and it's not sexy, but I mean, if you look at Cole Beasley, right. It, it's a very similar kind of one for one comparison. I mean, um, you know, Cole Beasley didn't come there till he was like 30. Um, Crowder's, you know, not quite that old, but he's heading in that direction. Um, and you look last year, Cole Beasley had uh, about a 22, uh, 21% targets per, per, uh, per route run. And he ran around on about 73% of his, uh, of the Bills drop back. So I'm projecting Crowder around 73%, 70% routes run and only a 19% target per route run. And he's still my wide receiver 54. And he's going as the wide receiver 81. So, I, you know, it's not sexy, but I do think he's going way too late for uh, the role that he's going to uh, have in this offense. Oh, I agree. And yeah, if, yeah, he's essentially replacing Cole Beasley, right? So if, if Cole Beasley was going wide receiver 81, I mean, that would be a steal as well. So. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, you know, he may concede some work to Isaiah McKenzie and even rookie Khalil uh, Shakir. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they run more three wide sets. I, I, they're not as heavy four wide. Uh, but, yeah, he's certainly going to be out there most of the time. They have three wide. Uh, he, he has limited touch on upside. But, again, at, at this point in the draft, I think he's perfect if you just – if you want a high four wide receiver. Let's say you were taking – um, you know, a bunch of like rookie wide receivers, the guys that are like, you know, pretty volatile and you, you want a high floor guy. I mean, Crowder's the best bet, especially at this range in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I think he's he's one of the top sleepers on this team just based on ADP as well. Yeah, and he's going to be motivated because he signed a one year kind of essentially a prove it deal. You know, he didn't. He, I think he's a better player than the deal he signed, which is about one year for, for two mil or something like that. Yeah. So. Um, you know, age 29, I think he's going to try to, you know, put up you know, one more good year and get one more contract after this. So, um, yeah, I like Crowder a lot. I just think he's going like a bunch of rounds too, too, uh, too late. Uh, McKenzie, any thoughts on him? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know at times they would use him, but then at times it's like he would have a really good game and his usage would spike. And then the next week he would go right back to like 10% routes run. So I don't know if they view him as anything more than that, the gadget kind of player that he's been uh these past few years yeah no he's not fancy relevant and there there was some time especially towards the end of the season they were trying to incorporate him more i think i would be more interested in shakir the the rookie mm-hmm. uh wide out i mean he went in the fifth round but he's pretty sneaky uh especially if you were to take over the mckenzie role uh but either way this this offense is good enough where we can at least monitor the wide receiver four battle right these aren't guys we're drafting you know in late june necessarily but you know if, if one of the top three receivers were to go down um either one of these guys could have some value so i think shakir is probably the guy i'd be most interested in just because i think mckenzie's always going to be limited he's like you said he's a gadget player 
but Shakir could, you know, potentially be a fancy asset. You know, he probably needs one or maybe two injuries uh, to do it, but he's at least worth, you know, monitoring. Where are you on Dawson Knox this year? He's going as the tight end number nine. That's actually exactly where I have him. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think, um, you know, I have him tight end 10. I think he has more added risk maybe than anybody else sort of in this range. Um, because I think we, we will see some touchdown regression. He scored nine TDs last year, but he only saw five end zone targets. So I think, uh, you know, he got a bit lucky when it comes to touchdowns. But either way, any, uh, you know, tight end running around over 80% of the time in an offense like the Bills, we're very interested in them. Um, I will like to see what's up with OJ Howard. You know, they brought him in. Um, even if he's just running around, say, like 20, 25% of the time, that might be enough to dock knocks down to that, you know, 70% range, which be would be kind of, you know, scary if you're taking him in the top 10. So he does have some concerns, but either way, I think he's going to be the main tight end. I'm not too worried about OJ Howard, to be honest. Um, but he he's the only guy in this range that at least has that baked in downside. Yeah, I have uh, I have Knox around seventy five percent routes run per game. He had eighty okay. percent last year, um, but Howard, I you know I don't think he's going to be much of a factor. I right. you know it seems like maybe they wanted that option. I do think they had some success when they went with more heavy personnel, but uh, word out of camp, at least from all the you know the beat writers I'm reading, is that he's just not moving well, and that's kind of why he struggled to get on the field, even you know in Tampa Bay coming back from that injury. So. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I just can't see him being much of a factor unless something changes quick. Yeah, exactly. And re- he really hasn't been the same since his Achilles tear in 2020. And that's, I mean, that's a very common injury to really, you know, derail a player's career. So I think that's, that's what's happening with Howard. Um, I'm not worried about him necessarily, you know, stealing receptions and yards away from Knox, but I would be concerned if he's more of like a Jimmy Graham, <laughs> you know, just a red zone target an extra red zone target for um, Allen. So that, again, that kind of leads to, you know, Knox's touchdown, you know, rates kind of going down. Yeah. But either way, I, I don't think he's that big of a threat. And he does have injury upside. I mean, if Knox were to go down, I think Howard be, would be an intriguing tight end too. Um, so he has that. But he, he's just he, more going to be just a nuisance, I think, for Knox, especially in the red zone. But yeah, he, he certainly lost this up since his injury in 2020. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously you know, you don't want to completely ignore it, but like, I can't really fade Knox at where he's going just because at the end of the day, once you get past those, those tight ends that are going to be a threat for a thousand yards, you're just looking for guys with touchdown upside. And I think, um, you know, Knox being attached to Josh Allen, yep. he has that. So it's, it's, it's not really much you could do, um, you know, tight end nine, tight end 10. That's kind of where he's going. So that's, that's, I'll, I'll take him there if I need a tight end. Uh, all right, let's go to running back. Oh, did you want to recap the sleepers and bust real quick? No, I was going to go running back. We didn't touch the right. Oh, we didn't even talk. Oh, Jeez. here's up. Bills gonna... running backs. <laughs> I'm so used to ignoring that. Yeah, no, you know what? This year, this year, we <laughs> yeah, can't ignore them. Wait, yeah. I, I, one of my favorite players, one of my favorite uh, running backs to draft. No, is, I know. Is, is on the Bills. <laughs> um, but let's start with the other guy. <laughs> Devin yeah, the other Singletary. Guy. Devin Singletary was pretty profitable for us. I feel like down the stretch last year, yeah. playing him in DFS and and props and things like that. Um, I actually have him right where he's going at RB 29 in my ranking. So I, I don't really, I'm not up or down on him. I think he'll probably beat the 11.1 carries he had last year. Um, but one thing I did notice, he only averaged 13% uh, targets per route run or, or yeah, a target on 13% of his route. So 
that's where I think Cook is going to, James Cook, the rookie, is going to come in. So I don't know if Singletary has that like three down upside the way he had in years past with the uh, drafting of Cook. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about the end of the season. I mean, week 15 on uh, through the playoffs. I mean, they used him as the true workhorse mm-hmm. back. They, they really phased out Zach Moss and Matt Breida completely. Um, so Singletary was the RB2 overall in fantasy the, the final four weeks. And, you know, that's that's great because he was getting every touch. But whenever the Bills have, you know, any kind of committee, it's really hard to get value out of him because, they, like I said earlier, they're a very pass-heavy teams. So they don't run the ball much. So there's not many carries to go around. Um, so just having competition with Cook is going to hurt. And like you said, Cook will probably be the third down back on day one. Yeah. Would not surprise me. So that's going to really hurt. Singletary's upside, but you mentioned Singletary's, you know, his, his targets per route run. I mean, Josh Allen doesn't really like checking down running backs anyway. Uh, he tends to just run with the ball. Um, so I, I, I do have some caution when it comes to Cook, just when it comes to that. Uh, but just I think now that it's more of in a timeshare, Singletary was the RB35 in weeks one through 14 last year. So I think that's going to be closer to his role. Um, and, you know, I, I have him ranked closer to that range, you know, RB35. So I think. His ADP being, you know, RB29, that's that's a little bit too expensive for him, especially uh, with James Cook uh, in the mix now. I mean, they said Josh Allen didn't throw the ball short and over the middle, and then he got Cole Beasley. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's more the players that he had at his disposal, like Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Is that a really a guy you want to put, you know, you want to put the ball in their hands? Like, True. It's, it's not really uh, conducive to, to checking it down or, you know, attacking linebackers. With those guys like Singletary's a, a solid back and we saw what he could do with with a good workload, but he's not like a guy that you're saying, OK, let's put him one on one with a linebacker and just let him go to work like that. That's just not the type of player he is. So um, that is why I do like James Cook. And the actual real reason I like James Cook beyond the fact that I think he's a talented player when in round two of the draft um, has, you know, 94th percentile speed. Uh, ran the 40 yard dash in 442. That's, I like him for all those reasons. But again, I think when you're projecting these guys, you got to kind of get inside the mind of the organization. And remember what happened with the Bills in the offseason? Who did they sign? JD McKissick. And then yeah. McKissick <laughs> reneged. And then that's why they went and targeted running back in, in the second round. Because remember, the Bills roster is pretty solid all around. So they can really start going and attacking needs in the draft. And you know, for them to spend a second round pick on a guy like James Cook, I think he's going to be used uh, a lot like they would have used McKissick, who over the last two years in Washington averaged uh, 4.9 carries, six targets, uh, four and a half receptions, and that all equated to nine and a half touches per game. So I have I have Cook at about eight, eight and a half touches per game, and he's still my RB 39, uh, which is ahead of his RB 44 ADP. So I, 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 that's yeah. why I like James Cook. Yeah, he's my RB39 as well. He's a great, you know, target. If if you're in a, a PPR format, I mm-hmm. mean, he has a high floor in this range where he won't need an injury to have value. Like every game, um, he should be able to get a few uh, receptions. And he does have upside if they were to kind of create sort of the Isaiah McKenzie role for him and line him up as a you know slot wide receiver, things yeah. like that. Get him on the field, even with Singletary. He has that sort of upside. Uh, the only problem is the Bills won't, have many trailing game scripts (laughs) so that does hurt a little bit there but either way like he's going to be a member of the passing game in the bills offense so i am interested um but his his playing style he he does you know have a 
cap ceiling. Like if Singletary were to go down, I don't think he could be the workhorse back necessarily. Uh, so his upside is cap, but that's why I think he's a great high floor play in this range. Yeah, it's kind of like, again, going back to McKissick. Remember, you know, Gibson yeah. went down a few games. McKissick wasn't like 20 touches, but he would get to like 15. Yeah, RB2. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when he's dominating the receiving work. That's mid-range RB2 status. Yeah, and on yeah. top of that, if they if they keep Zach Moss, he's not exactly a guy that you want to give like 20 touches like, like Alexander <laughs> Madison. So right. Cook would probably split work with him or maybe Duke Johnson or whoever they end up calling up or keeping around. But uh, yeah. I think this guy's just too talented. So if you're you're in that, like if you're either doing zero RB or you just need a high upside guy to kind of complement your top two, uh, I really like James Cook. I think he's more of an RB three, or will be more of an RB three when it's all said and done, and he's still going as an RB four. Uh, all right, yeah. So now, now, <laughs> now, sleepers and busts for Buffalo. Who you got? Oh, okay. I know you're going with Crowder. That's a great one. But I'm going with Gabe Davis. I, I just think there's still some value we could squeeze out of, you know, wide receiver 33. I still think he has league winning upside. I know he's just, you know, the second option in the passing game, but we've seen this in the past with, you know, like Ridley and Julio Jones or mm-hmm. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think we have that potential here where we could have two guys yeah. inside of the top 10 uh, in our weekly projection. So I think Gabe Davis is considering he has that upside. I still think he's a sleeper pick at wide receiver 33. I mean, that's my guy. I can't, uh, I can't be yeah. that. Uh, I'll go. Crowder, Many shirts though. will be ripped this year. Oh yeah. 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 So if, uh, <laughs> for any listeners that don't know, Sean and I uh, were watching the game, uh, the chiefs game at my crib, chiefs bills. And uh, I thought we, we had, we had big money on the bills. So uh thought we won our bet after Gabe Davis scores his bazillion touchdown <laughs> ripped a sh- my shirt off, which happened to say shmoney on it. And uh, so that shirt is gone. And then, and then we lost and the game and the, the game was gone too. So it was just a, a fiasco, but uh, yeah, it's my dude, Dave Davis. Love him. Um, yeah, I'm going Crowder, though. I just think, again, he's going outside the top 80, and he's my wide receiver, 54. I think he gets the Beasley role, and I don't even have him getting targeted on a per-route basis as much as Beasley, and he still lands in the in the mid-50s for me in, in this offense. So, uh, like Jamison Crowder, and, and Cook as well, I think deserves an honorable mm-hmm. mention. Yeah. Um, just because he's, he's a talented guy in, in a good offense who's, who's going to catch some passes. Uh, what about for bust? Uh, it's got to be, I mean, it's hard to find a bust in this offense because it's so good, but it's got to be Singletary. Just I think you're paying up for, you know, the end of last season's usage rates, but with Cook there, it's going to be tough. And we have to remember, this is Josh Allen's offense through the air and on the ground. So, um, you know, the running backs already kind of have to fight for scraps. And when he's, you know, got competition back there, that makes it even tougher. So uh, I'm with you on Cook, by the way. So I just think that kind of leads into why I think Singletary's the bust. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really have a bust just because I, even though I, I'm higher on Cook, I still have Singletary at 29th. I just, you know, it's, it's not a sexy pick. It's not really a guy that I'm going to be taking uh, too much. But let's go to Miami, and, uh, you know, the big offseason news. Obviously, they acquired Tyreek Hill. They also get Cedric Wilson Jr. Um, so, how do you think this all sets up now for Tua Tagovailoa? Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a make-or-break year for his career. I mean, they brought in Tyreek Hill. Uh, Jalen Waddle's going to be entering year two, so he's going to be even better, if you could believe it. Um, they improved the offensive line. You know, they brought in Connor Williams, Tron Armstead. Uh, this scheme, you know, under Mike McDaniel, is going to be the Kyle Shanahan 49ers scheme, uh, which should help take pressure off the O-line and be good for fantasy, you know, football. And 
uh, you know, things are lined up for two of this season. We really haven't seen him from him from him yet, but with all the weapons around him, I don't see how he can fail necessarily. So QB 16 seems fair just given his upside, uh, but he's far from a slam dunk. I mean, we have to admit it. So um, I don't really like him at 16. I think if you're going to take him, you got to do some stacks, right? You got to stack him with, you know, either Hill, Waddle, possibly Gasicki. Um, you just got to go all in on the offense because it does depend on him, you know, having a year three uh, breakout. Yeah. And I mean, I, I did like him coming out of school. There's, there's just kind of, he has that kind of it factor, but I don't know, like this could go South too. Like it's right. it, <laughs> Tyreek Hill was chirping about Mahomes and he wasn't used enough in that offense. It's like, I mean, if he's running open and, and Tua doesn't hit him deep, I mean, I could, I could see, I could see some problems, mm. but I, you know what I, the thing is, you're not drafting him as your QB one anyway. And so he's a guy I'm probably just leaving on the waiver wire because he starts the year New England, which, you know, Belichick defense. I know I know they lost J.C. Jackson, but still not ideal for a streamer. Uh, and then they go to Baltimore and then they play the Bills. So those are three tough defenses, three of the better yeah. defenses in the AFC. Um, so I don't really think you're going to start the year with much use for him. Cause you're not going to trust him in, against the, the Patriots in week one. And then, you know, even if he had, if he does have a big game, you, are you going to go back and trust him against Baltimore? Like probably not. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, in a two QB week, fine. Yeah. Take a chance on, on the improved weapons. Um, you know, if you can get them below ADP, but uh, in, in a regular redraft week, I don't really see a point uh, in drafting him. Uh, Tyreek. He's going as the wide receiver eight. How do you think his, what do you think happens with his numbers uh, going from Mahomes to Tua? Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with Tyreek. Going from Mahomes to Tua is a downgrade, a clear downgrade, uh, but he's still an elite talent. So I think wide receiver eight sounds fair for him, but he's going to be more inconsistent in this offense. I, you know, I don't think Tua is going to be able to support Hill, Waddle, and Gasecki every single week. So I think it's going to be sort of musical chairs where you get, you know, two of these guys that have a fancy relevant game and the other a dud. So, yeah, I think Hill's going to have a lower floor than he's seen, you know, the past few seasons. But certainly, you know, in best ball formats, he's going to have his big games. But this is absolutely a downgrade. But when you're taking Tyreek, you're just betting on his elite talent. So I think wide receiver eight is fair. That's exactly where I have him projected right now. How many touchdowns do you have? him? Ooh, that's a great question. Um Rushing and receiving, I'm at a half a touchdown rushing and eight receiving touchdowns. So eight and a half. Okay, so I have 7.6. I have seven receiving and, and 0.6 rushing. So um, seven was Pretty his. He, he did seven twice over the last five years uh, in 2017 and 2019. So that's kind of his been his floor. Um, but I think that's fair just given um, the downgrading quarterback. But somewhere between seven and eight. Where do you have him ranked uh, based on that? Uh, so I have him wide receiver 10 right now. Okay. Um, so, I, But that's because I'm like very high on Mike Evans. So I have Evans oh, okay. ahead of him. And uh, uh, I don't have A.J. Brown ahead of him, though. So I know, I know I've seen, you know, A.J. Brown kind of creeping up in there. Um, I, I just think the pass volume's a little too low. But, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's a top 10 guy. You take him anywhere in that, you know, 6 to 10 range. I don't think you're going to lose your league. by you know, it's Tyreek Hill. Like, you're not going to lose your league drafting Tyreek Hill. Uh, Waddle though. I mean, this is, I struggle with him because like, I, I feel like his ADP didn't really change after, <laughs> yeah, after Tyreek right? went to the Dolphins. And listen, I know it's good for like the offense being 
uh, able to move the ball and get more first downs, yada, yada, yada. But like, am I, am I just going crazy here? Or is like, is Tyreek going to cut into Waddle's production uh, more than uh, just like for it to drop, to go to wide receiver 13? Like, I, I feel like that's still yeah. high. No, it is, it is too high, which is a shame because I love investing in really good wide receivers in year two, year three. So it's, it's tough to kind of fade him, but that's, that's sort of what I'm doing because we have to remember last year, he benefited from Will Fuller and Devonte Parker missing, you know, much of the season. So, you know, his, his target share is massive and, you know, Tyreek, Tyreek's presence will only hinder that. So yeah, his, his target rate's going to be down. Um, his touchdown rate's probably down as well. So I, I think just wide, wide receiver 13 is too close to his ceiling in my opinion. So I'd be more comfortable if he was sort of in the wide receiver 15, 17 range. That would be a fun range to take him. But yeah, I'm I'm probably out at 13, which is, you know, it sucks because I, I think he's one of the more talented, you know, younger receivers in the game. So I, I just think with Tyreek, you know, coming in, I, I don't think the ADP really, um, you know, factored that in enough. Yeah. And this is where, you know, kind of modeling it by using routes and targets per route really kind of shines through and is illuminating because last year Waddle, his targets per route were 23.8%, which is very, very good. Um, But let's look at the players you already mentioned who were uh, running routes alongside him at wide receiver. Devontae Parker was 20.8%. Albert Wilson was 16.8%. And and Mac Hollins was 12.8%. So now you have Tyree Kills who's 26.5%. Um, at, so like, not only is he a massive step up from anyone else that was running around alongside Waddle, but he's even a couple of points above Waddle. He was eighth in the league of 152 receivers mm-hmm. that had uh, at least hundred routes run. So like, this is, it just has to knock him down. Like there's no, the math just doesn't work out. <laughs> even if, even if you give Waddle that, you know, like leave him at this, like, you know, you don't knock down his baseline rate. Um, like it's just, it's the math has to knock it down when you're competing with a guy that's higher than you and, and you bump from, you know, number one to number two in the, in the totem post in the pecking order. So, um, I have a wide receiver 23. Um, I, I think that's, I think he's, he's a low end wide receiver. Yeah, you're probably not high end. many shares yeah, uh, <laughs> or any, any, I, I don't mean, think I'm getting any. Yeah. You were, uh, this might segue into our next guy, but you were talking about Tyreek having impact. Um, and you mentioned they're, they're, Number three receiver was typically, you know, Albert Wilson or Mac Hollins, but mm-hmm. their third receiver is going to be Cedric Wilson now. So that he has an upgrade at wide receiver three as well. Yeah. Wilson is about 18% uh, targets per route run. And that was in the Dallas offense where it's not easy right. to get targeted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. It's just every, it's just a downgrade uh, around him in terms of the guys he's going to be competing with for, uh, for Waddle. So yeah, I, you know, love wide receivers entering year two. I think year two is a new year three in terms of yeah. guys breaking out, but there's just really no way for him to beat, really beat that ADP at wide receiver 13. So, um, you know, Wilson, I mean, he's going 85th at wide receiver. I don't really think you need to touch him unless you're in a super deep league, then, I mean, knock yourself out. But uh, <laughs> what about Gasicki? Uh, he's going as the tight end number 12 this year. Yeah, I guess I misspoke because Gasicki is essentially their third wide receiver, right? I mean, he he rarely lines up as tight end now. He's basically their slot receiver. So he's a guy where, again, this kind of reminds me of Waddle where, you know, he's entering his age 26 season. He's an elite talent. I mean, he's smack dab in the middle of his prime. But 
his upside is capped by Tyreek there by Waddle entering year two. So like I said earlier, it's just one of these guys every week is going to have to have a dud. I don't see how all three of them can be putting up monster numbers every single week. So now to be fair, you know, at, once you get to this range at tight end, you know, low end tight end one, you're expecting duds. So I think Gusecki sounds about right at about tight end 12. Um, but he's probably going to need Tua to make a massive leap uh, to really, you know, clear this value at tight end 12. So love the talent. Um, this situation is going to be murky week to week, but uh, I think at tight end 12, he's priced about right. Yeah, I have him tight end 14. So I'm mm. actually, I think he's a little bit overvalued. Here's the thing. He ran the fourth most routes among tight ends last year, right? And he still finishes the tight end 11. And now you're yeah. adding another like mid, you know, mid 20 in terms of percent in terms of targets per route run wide receiver in Tyreek Hill. So you have Tyreek Hill who's at 27%. You have Waddle at 24%. It just doesn't leave much space for Gasicki to even match his 19.7% targets per route run from a year ago. So um, I, I knocked him down to 19. So it's not even a massive downgrade, but yeah, he's still coming in below, below his ADP for me. Uh, what do you think of Edmonds going there to, you know, coming over from Arizona, he's the RB 35 in ADP. Yeah. So, the, I mean, this backfield's really murky. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, Mike, Mike McDaniels bringing over the Kyle Shanahan 49er scheme, which is great for fantasy running backs, but also, you know, can be pretty volatile. I think all three of these backs have different skill sets. Um, and Edmonds is the highest paid, like that. He's going to be the week one starter. Uh, he'll probably have a pretty long leash. But still, like he's sort of a frozen pawn kind of running back where, you know, anything can happen after week one. Um, you know, I think he's going late enough at RB 35 where he's definitely worth the risk. This is where you kind of have, you know, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison kind of going. And Edmonds doesn't really need an injury uh, to be the workhorse back all season. So uh, I kind of like him at ADP, but he does have a pretty low floor. But I, I just think where he's going this is probably the area I'd like to take him because there is, like I said, there's a lot of upside in this scheme. So I think he could be a, a really good fit. Yeah. He's, he's going to be a good fit. Um, you know, like you mentioned that the contract, I think that is at least somewhat illuminating because teams aren't paying running backs these days. So yeah. um, for McDaniel to kind of go out and he, cause they could have just assembled a backfield on the cheap. I mean, they could have just gone with, um, you know, they signed Michelle, they could have still brought in Mostert on the cheap anyway. And maybe you just give, Miles Gaskin, another chance, you know, he was, he proved that he could play as a starter. Um, and he ran enough zone, you know, zone scheme that last year that I think you could have just done yeah. that. So for them to bring in Edmonds and pay him like they did, I think that is significant. Um, so uh, I am somewhat intrigued by him. I have him a few spots higher than where he's going. I have him at RB 32 uh, in my rankings. He's going as the RB 35. Um, I I don't think this backfield is quite as murky. I think it's more murky behind Edmonds, like because mm. Raheem Mostert, he's going to RB forty five. That's got to be a joke, right? <laughs> like that's that's um, a, that's the joke. Yeah, well, there there's a joke later on in the pod, but yeah, I mean, just given uh, <laughs> the only the only positive thing you could say really is he's already familiar with the scheme, right? That's about it. Uh, but he's thirty years old now, and he's injury prone. Um, so yeah, while it's kind of murky now, while Mozart's healthy, I guess once he's, you know, on the PUP list or the IR, that'll help clear things up a bit. But I mean, he has that home run hitting upside, but again, he's on the wrong side of 30. So 
yeah, I'm not the one taking him at RB 45. So yeah, that it, his ADP is sort of a joke right now. Yeah. Like I have him 58 and that's being like probably generous. Cause that's, that's <laughs> me kind of splitting him and Michelle's workload. But like you said, this dude is 30 and he's missed 35 of his uh, 36, excuse me, not 35. He's missed 36 of his yeah. last 81 games over the past five years. And Michelle is, is 27. He's three years younger. He's probably a better back at this point. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I think, I think it's like these dolphin ADPs. It's like they haven't adjusted to anything that's happened in the off season. It's like, <laughs> right. okay. At the beginning of the off season. Yeah. They had no Tyreek Hill. Waddle. Sure. Wide receiver 13. Okay. Miami, you know, they, they brought in Moster and they didn't have Sony Michelle. Like, okay, fine. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't get it. Um, Michelle, he's RB 54, uh, probably the better value. I mean, for me, at yeah. least, cause I have him, I have him splitting the work evenly and that might even be generous being generous to Moster. Yeah. He's the cheapest back. Um, so he probably has the most value, I guess. Uh, but you, you know, like I can see him being used in the short yardage situation so he might be the goal line back like that that would hurt Edmonds value a bit if Michelle is a goal line back but he at the end of the day he does need probably um you know Edmonds to go down to really have weekly value uh but again he's he's pretty cheap for a backup running back um so at 54 I mean I'm not running to get him there but um in certain drafts in certain situations he certainly makes sense yeah like I have him below ADP too I have him RB 60 for now but you know, if we start getting word that, you know, maybe Mostert's going to go back to more of a special teams role or, yeah. or whatever not, and, and Michelle kind of inches ahead, uh, I'll not, I'll bump him up a little bit and he'll kind of end up at RB54. But yeah, everyone, we're just, we're drafting these Dolphins RB2 and 3s a little bit too high. I know it's, I know it's the Shanahan scheme and all that. So it, in some ways it makes sense, but for all that, we might as well just draft Gaskin again. Like you're going to do all that. Yeah, if, like, if we're doing the Shanahan, the, yeah, the least yeah, likely. Exactly, exactly. Gaskin would absolutely be the minus 300 favorite. If, <laughs> if we're talking about the Niners, yeah, it's yeah. Gaskin all the way. Or, or maybe Savan Ahmed. Wasn't oh, he? Yeah. Well, he's a oh, former Shanahan guy or something yeah, like that. Or, yeah, no. He, he, would, t- he has ties to all these guys. Gaskin coming off a year where we <laughs> thought he'd be the main back and he busted. This year, yeah. we're not talking about him. Like that would be the Shanahan 49ers. Oh, wait. Uh, one. No, it's not. It's, some, it's Alec Ingold. He's going to be the use check. He's going to get all oh. the third down work. <laughs> yeah, but we don't even draft. Like, we don't even yeah, draft no, use check. But, yeah, I, I can see that <laughs> happening kidding. for sure. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, sleepers on the Dolphins. Sleeper on the Dolphins. What you got? Man, it's it's tough. I think this whole offense is probably overvalued. So, I'm going to go with uh, my Tua stacks. So, okay. not just drafting naked Tua. I think you need to stack them because all these players need Tua to have year three leap to actually hit. So, I think. You'll want to make a Tua stack. So Tua with, you know, Tyreek Hill or Waddle and Gasicki, something like that. A couple of teams where you sort of go all in and not half-ass it. I think that's the only way you can kind of label a sleeper in this offense because I think everybody is kind of like at ADP or like way too expensive. Yeah, I'll go with Edmonds just because he he's the only guy literally that <laughs> I have ranked above yeah. ADP. I have him RB32. He's going RB35, so... Um, I'll go with him. Uh, what about bust? Uh, I think we're on the same page on this, right? It's gotta be Waddle, which yeah. is unfortunate because I mean, heading into year two, I was all excited. You know, they got McDaniel coming over and then they add Tyreek Hill. So if, if you're not factoring that in, you're doing it wrong. Um, that is a huge hit to his, his target share. And unfortunately, you know, he's 
more of a lower end wide receiver too now because of it. Yeah, and I mean, I'll, I'll add Mostert to that mix just because I just think oh, well, I just yeah. think he should not be going RB forty five. Yeah, like, fair enough. Just, if, like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's just, but yeah, Waddle. I mean, ten spots, you know, in my rankings, ten spots at, at that point in the draft is massive, you know, in terms of over or undervalued. Because I mean, you can get a guy like Keenan Allen like a couple of spots ahead of of Waddle, who, which I think is a t- you know yeah. a completely different situation. Number one wide receiver versus number two. So, um, yeah. Waddle um, has some bust potential, unfortunately. All right, let's go to the Patriots. Any thoughts uh, before we get into the players just on, uh, you know, are we going to see kind of a, like, is this going to be a clown show with, with Joe Judge oh. and, and Matt Patricia? Or or because Mac Jones, you know, I, I thought he was the best rookie quarterback last year. Or is Mac Jones just going to make it all moot? And just, is it just going to be Mac Jones essentially calling the plays this year? Yeah, that would be great, right? Because, um, he was arguably the best rookie quarterback last year, but they held him back probably too much, in my opinion, last year. I remember you and I, anytime they were favored by like three or more points, we would just downgrade Mac Jones in the passing offense completely, yeah. and they were just going to feed uh, Damian Harris. So hopefully, uh, you know, they they take off the training wheels this, this year. Um, you know, they brought in Devontae Parker. They... Um, you know, they drafted uh, Thornton, who's a deep threat. So I think there's signs there that they they do intend uh, to let Mac Jones let it rip a bit more this year. So, um, you know, ADB 21, he he doesn't offer any rushing upside. So it's it's really hard to like him. But certainly in two QB super flex formats, I, I think he has a really high floor. And who knows, they, they could let him let it rip this year uh, and he could surprise us. Um, but last year it was the the offense and the coaching staff sort of holding him back. So so we'll see what he does this year. Yeah, and you know, again, for anyone that hasn't been uh, kind of caught up on the offseason news, Josh McDaniel, longtime coordinator uh, for the Patriots, goes to the Raiders to become the head coach. So now they bring in uh, Joe Judge, and they bring in Matt Patricia, former you know former coaches who uh, flamed out in head coaching positions, and those two are kind of running the offense. And we still don't know who's the play caller is going to be. Belichick hasn't decided yet. He's actually been more involved in the offense as well. So. There are a lot of question marks as to who's going to be running it, but I I do like Matt Jones. I mean, I, I think I think he can beat this quarterback twenty one ADP. I mean, it's it's not hard to beat. He can be. I think he can be one of the better like kind of tier two pocket passers. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I, I am somewhat intrigued. Uh, what do you think of the, the Parker edition? Uh, th- it's great for uh, Mac Jones. I, I don't know if it's great for Parker necessarily. Um, I mean, they just have too many targets to go around. Right. I mean, Jacoby Myers will still be probably, you know, dominating sort of the target share when he's on the field. Uh, Kendrick Bourne is sneaky. You know, they still have Hunter Henry. So it's not, it's not great, but you know, he's wide receiver 54 and ADP. He's got to be the cheapest wide receiver one on any offense, right? He's got to be. So he has that going for him at least. Um, So I I do kind of like him where he's going. I think Jacoby Myers is the wide receiver one. I, I know he's the slot wide receiver, but I, I think like you kind of alluded to it. He will dominate target share when he's on the field. Um, his targets per route run last year was 23%. Parker's is 21. So, uh, you know, even if they're both kind of running routes together, which they will be, um, I would expect Myers to, to still have the edge. So I like the value on Myers. He's going as a wide receiver 62. I actually have him at wide receiver 47. And that's with giving him a, a bump down in, um, in routes run per dropback, you know, mm-hmm. per game, I, I bumped him down about 80%. 
Um, you know, because there's just a lot of uncertainty as to how exactly uh, the, the receiving snaps are going to be distributed. So, but yeah, I, I think he's a value, especially in PPR, full PPR and, and even half PPR. And uh, I think he finally got the monkey off his back with the touchdown. So <laughs> seriously. And <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you're right when it comes to, to Myers, I think really either Parker or Myers, you can make a case is going to be the top receiver. So they're both sort of, um, you know, offering value in the wide receiver 55, wide receiver 60 range. Um, unfor- unfortunately for Myers, I don't think we could project them for more than, a, you know, a couple touchdowns. So his upside is capped. Uh, but either way, just investing in either one of these guys is sort of a way to invest in Mac Jones having a year two leap. So certainly I think these guys are, are cheaper, you know, high, higher floor options later in the draft. Yeah, Um yeah, I like Parker as well. I par- like I'm, I have Parker and Myers like just inside the top fifty. So oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, and, and also another thing with New England. Remember, because McDaniel's leaves, they took he took the fullback with him. Like he took Jakob Johnson <laughs> to the Raiders. But what I mean by that is like they took the fullback with them. Like they're they're not going to have a fullback this year. Like they're going to be a little bit more wide open as an offense. So I do think these Patriots receivers are are going to be sneaky. And and I agree. I think Parker and and Myers are going to be the, the top two, you know, Bourne, I, I like him a lot. He's running ahead of, of Aguilar and Thornton in camp. So it looks like he'll be the number three guy. Uh, but I, I do think there's some sneaky value here uh, for these Patriots receivers. And you draft them kind of in that, like you said, that wide receiver 55, 60 range. Uh, I think when bye weeks start hitting, I think you'll have a, a decent uh, replacement for whoever you need to, to kind of sit. So um, I, I do think these guys offer value again, nothing sexy, but uh, the target's got to go somewhere, and this is without even counting that Mac Jones may very well take a year to leap. Um, okay, Hunter Henry, he's going as tight end 17. I don't actually mind him there at all. Yeah, no, I don't either, which is weird because, I mean, he's a touchdown-dependent tight end, let's face it, uh, but he's going to score touchdowns. Uh, he tied for the second most end zone targets last year with 10, um, and it was kind of mind-blowing how – much he dominated the tight end snaps after they had, uh, you know, the massive signing with Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. I mean, Hunter Henry was the main tight end. So yeah, I like him at tight end 17. You're, you're going to be drafting him in best ball. So you don't really care or you don't need to predict when he's going to score his touchdowns, but he's going to have those weeks. Uh, so yeah, I like him at tight end 17 specifically uh, for best ball. Yeah. Henry. I mean, he was a tight end eight overall last year and a half PPR uh, 10 and 10th in points per game. And, uh, you know, he's going as the number 17. And I do think Jonu could see some more routes, but not necessarily at Henry's expense, just at the expense of the fullback. So uh, who's no longer there. So, uh, yeah, like Henry, great best ball guy, as you said. Uh, what do you what about Damian Harris at, at running back? I'm having a hard time. Like, I, I love the touchdown upside upside. Um, they are kind of switching schemes here a little bit, but it's still hard for me to kind of get behind him as RB 24. Uh, I have him 29th, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, no, I don't love him at the current ADP. Uh, He benefited a ton from the Pats, um, you know, leaning on the run and trying to limit Mac Jones last year. So in theory, if they're going to let Mac let it rip this year, that's going to be sort of at the expense of Harris. And the running back depth chart uh, was pretty thin last year once uh, James White went down. I know they have different skill sets, but either way, that that sort of helped Harris out a bit last year. So considering, you know, A.J. Dillon's going around this range and they sort of have a similar role, but A.J. Dillon has 
legit RB1 upside uh, if Aaron Jones were to go down. Like, give me A.J. Dillon every time, sort of in this range. Um, so, yeah, Harris, just he doesn't offer enough upside in this range. And I think he has a lower floor than people realize. Yeah, and I mean, we don't know if White's even going to be back, but if he if he does, it's just another complication. But I also think, I mean, Stevenson's kind of a, a threat as well. You know, he's yeah. going to RB37. I think that's a better value because at times those guys are kind of splitting reps fairly evenly. I, I do think Harris is a little bit better, but, um, you know, we could see Stevenson kind of get more involved just like Harris did. Um, you know, this what the Patriots kind of do. They kind of, you know, develop guys and then they they, they phase out the next guy and, and then yep. it repeats. So, um, yeah, I like Stevenson better at 37 than Harris at 24. Uh, okay, sleepers and bust. Who you got? Well, <laughs> for the sleeper, I mean, once James White comes back, um, and it's possible he's ready by week one, but I think he's a sleeper, especially where he's going at ADP. I mean, you can get him for free at the end of the draft. Uh, but just to have at the end of your bench more of a high floor guy in PPR formats, uh, I mean, he benefits from having Mac Jones under center. Last year in the only two games James White was healthy, he caught six balls in each game. So I think add him as a late, late round stash for when he's healthy in PPR formats. I think he's he's uh, one of my favorite sleepers in that regard on this team. Oh, wow. I did I did not expect you to say James White. I, in my, like, I could be wrong, but in my mind, he's cooked. Like, he's just, he's cooked. He's cooked. He's coming back he, from a hip injury. He's old. Like, they got J.J. Taylor chomping at the bit. He's, like, 30, he's a 30-year-old <laughs> receiving back. I mean, yeah. he doesn't need to do too much. Um, and we didn't really get to dive in him, so that, that might be why it came out of left field. Yeah, but his, yeah. his ADP is, like, running back 150 or something crazy like yep. that. So I'm saying He's literally free. Um, and when he is healthy, I would not be shocked if he provides that, you know, RB 40 type okay. of value in PPR. Okay. Uh, I, uh, I'll go Myers, uh, Myers and Henry kind of, I mean, I, I, I got Myers inside the top 50. He's going 62. And then I got Henry tight in 12 and he's going 17. So I think both of those guys qualify um, that they could give you value, a, a step up, a tear up from yeah. what they're doing. Um, and then what about bus? Uh, it's got to be Damian Harris. Just just like I said, um, you know, last year he he banked on Mac Jones being limited. So this year should be more pass heavy offense. Like you said, Stevenson is a threat. I think Stevenson's legit. It would not surprise me one bit if at some point he does leapfrog mm-hmm. Harris at some point. Just considering Harris is limited, sort of, you know, the, the workhorse back in the short yard situations, um, you know, Stevenson is a serious threat to his value. So he's sort of. Harris is definitely in that frozen pond here, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm probably fading him most drafts at ADP RB, uh, RB 28. Yeah. He's always 24 in ADP. Oh, oh, 24. One, are you kidding? Yeah. Me? Oh, at, that's... At fantasy pros at half PPR. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So no way. Um, yeah. I have him 29th. So it's like, if I can, if he drops fine, cause I like the town, I think he's a talented guy. I think the yeah. whole line is solid and I, I do still think he has that touchdown upside, but yep. 24 is just, I can get a receiver in that range. So it's just doesn't yeah. really fit in. To the draft plan for me uh let's finish off with the jets zach wilson put on 13 pounds of muscle <laughs> quote unquote because you can't really do that in an off season but <laughs> sure we'll go with it can he can he jump 13 spots in in ranking is the question uh, yeah he has the talent for sure uh but he had one of the most disappointing rookie seasons last year uh the scheme does seem to be fancy friendly uh they had two quarterbacks last year have 300 plus yard passing games. It was Mike White and Josh Johnson. Uh, even Joe Flacco threw for 291 yards in his start. But 
Uh, the rest of the time was Zach Wilson under center, and it wasn't as fancy friendly. Uh, specific, I was very disappointed in his lack of rushing upside last year. Um, he didn't top 20 yards on the ground until I think week 14, I think it was. And they had three games of 20 plus rushing yards. He had that one game where he had 91. So I think if he taps more into that this year, uh, he could be sneaking in this range. And, you know, unlike Justin Fields, they're starting to, you know, build around Zach Wilson and they added Garrett Wilson with their first uh, round pick. So he has a loaded uh, trio at wide receiver um, and they added, you know, two veteran uh, decent tight end. So he has enough talent around him. I, I do like the scheme. So I think he does have the upside you, you like to see in QB 24. Yeah. I mean, they really all around him. I mean, the pieces are there. You got, yeah. it's like, you got Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Love Davis, Moore. Braxton Berrios is a pretty good, you know, kind of number four receiver uh, yeah. at that. Uzoma and Conklin, Brees Hall, they add to the, the running back room. And the line is pretty, I mean, the line is pretty good. You know, the line, there's a lot of talent on that line if Becton can just get his act together. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't I don't mind him. I think he does offer some upside. I think he has a, a lot of talent. Um, but he's the, the issue is, um, you know, four for four does the, the schedule adjusted fantasy points. Um, and you know, obviously it's going to change from year to year, but right now, you know, just based on, you know, the numbers from last year, uh, he's, he has the most difficult schedule for any quarterback, uh, does Zach Wilson, but it's the fifth easiest over the last three weeks of the season. So he's a guy that, uh, you know, may, you may start slow again, but you might want to pick yeah. him up down a stretch, um, last few weeks of the season. He's going to, going to have a, a lot of time to gel with all those weapons. I think that's how you want to play it with, with Zach Wilson, but he is worth some, I think he's worth some best ball shares as well, but in, in standard redraft, he starts out Baltimore and then at Cleveland. Uh, I don't really see any streaming. Do you think there. the the 13 pounds of muscle makes him more or less likely to run the ball? Uh, I think, I think he will run the ball with him. I mean, he, he did that down the stretch last year anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, That's what I, yeah. He, yeah. he didn't have a 20 yard rush game until I confirmed it week 14. And then he had yep. three of them in the final six games. And we knew he had that rushing upside. He just wasn't, he wasn't running at all. There was a ton of games where he ran maybe once, twice, or it was like kneel downs. Uh, he was getting touchdowns, oddly enough, uh, but he just wasn't letting it rip. So it, it was good to see that at least towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, four, all four of his touchdowns after he came back from injury. And uh, as you mentioned, yeah, all, all three of his 20 plus yard games after, and, and, and all three of his, four carry games came after yep. uh, the injury. So yeah, I think that's promising. Um, not a guy of mine taking, taking a flyer on that late uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, I, I really like the underlying metrics with Elijah Moore, 24% target per route run 18th of 152 uh, wide receivers with at least hundred routes run last year. What do you think of Moore entering year two? Oh, I love Moore. He was one of my favorite rookies heading into the season last year. Um, I mean, unfortunately, injuries derailed his season, but weeks eight through 13 was the, the stretch where he was healthy and he was the wide receiver two over that six game stretch. So we know his upside. Um, I, I think, you know, drafting Garrett Wilson the first round, adding a couple of, I guess you would call them competent tight ends does hurt Moore's upside. But I think, um, you know, having a Zach Wilson more uh, stack is pretty sneaky in best ball, in my opinion. He probably does need Zach Wilson to have a pretty big year two leap uh, to really hit ADP. So like the idea of stacking them, but 
like you said, even Braxton Berrios is <laughs> pretty legit for their wide receiver four. So he might not be as consistent. Uh, you know, they might spread around a bit much, but just Moore has a ton of upside. So, um, you know, wide receiver 27 is his ADP. It's a bit rich, but I think just based on the talent, I'm definitely going to have some shares. Yeah, it's actually exactly where I have him. So it's, you know, I like the player. I won't shy away from him there. I have him wide receiver 28. So, okay, one spot down, but uh, same. Close enough. Thing. Yeah, um, I like the talent. Uh, yeah, I think he's a threat for a thousand yard season. Yeah. You know, guys always break out in year two. And, and again, the underlying, like 24% targets per route run is, again, a very, very yes. good number. And, and that's, and can, this year you're expecting him to, to be on the field, you know, 90 plus percent of the time. So, um, yeah, there is some upside there. Garrett Wilson, um, you know, what do you think of him? He's going wide receiver 52. Yeah, I didn't like the landing spot at all. I really thought he was going to the Falcons. I thought that mm-hmm. would have been perfect. He would have been the number one wide receiver on day one. Now, you know, he's probably going to be the wide receiver two, three, depending on, you know, Corey Davis week to week. But I just don't like the landing spot. And he he, he absolutely needs Zach Wilson to have a pretty big year two leap to hit at this ADP. Um, you know, I, I'd rather take Elijah Moore at his steep ADP because we've seen it on the field already. So while I do like the talent, I just didn't like the landing spot. And obviously this is one of the reasons why I do kind of like Zach Wilson was because, you know, they, they drafted Wilson, but uh, man, if he was on the Falcons, he'd probably be, you know, in the, the low forties. Um, so the, the landing spot was a bit of a hit in, in my model. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have him ranked a couple spots below that, but I, I don't mind taking some flyers on him again. I really yeah. like taking those first and second round receivers and just, you know, seeing who hits and especially, I mean, we're getting a guy with four point, what is it? 4.38 speed. Yeah. So, you know, lots of like there, but when I just kind of break it down in terms of the, you know, the routes, um, yeah, it, it's tough to know if he, is he going to be like a, a, a 90% player or is he going to be more like a 70% player? You know, Corey Davis right. was, you know, Elijah Moore in, in year one and he, as good as he was, he ran around on 66%. Uh, of the dropbacks in games, he was active. Corey Davis was the de facto number one, and he was at 76%, right? So this yeah. is a team that, and now you have two tight ends that could be on the field a little bit more than they used at the position last year. So it's just tough to to get him to a, a route number on a per yeah. game basis right off the bat that, that could pay that value. But he does have the upside to do it just on the talent. So Yeah, and if he was on the Falcons, it'd be 85% week one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that that's kind of uh, I'm I'm with you on Wilson. I think good best ball guy, good you know flyer. If you have if your wide receivers are absolutely stacked, and then you kind of <laughs> lay off for a while, and then you're just looking for some pure upside, you don't feel like you're going to have to use him very much. Um, go ahead and do it. But uh, he's very kind of specific. He needs to fit in your draft strategies. I guess what I'm saying. Yep. Um, CJ Uzoma uh, is going at tight end 24 and Conquins at. Tight end 34. Um, nothing really to see there. I think they're kind of wise <laughs> no. each other's value. But yeah. uh, let's talk about Brees Hall. I, I really like he was my favorite running back. I liked him even more than yeah. Kenneth Walker. Um, and it, it, we're hearing good things. Just like last year, I liked Michael Carter. We we started hearing good things early about Michael Carter, um, you know, in camp that he was kind of already running with the with the first team. And it, it worked out pretty well, all things considered. Um, now we're hearing the same thing about Brees Hall that he's already kind of jumped. Michael Carter, they play. I've heard the word bell cow even used. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's puff piece season, so take it with a grain of salt. But 
we're hearing at least we're hearing the right things because with running backs, it's all about usage, and he does have some talent uh, to go with it. Yeah, he's he's definitely my favorite rookie running back. Um, I didn't love the landing spot, but that's that's what you get. Uh, and you know, he he gives me some like uh, Joe Mixon, Cream Hunt vibes. Mm-hmm. He he definitely can be a workhorse back. Um, whereas Kenneth Walker, you know, he's very limited when it comes to receiving usage, things like that. So Brees Hall's my favorite rookie running back. This does remind me sort of the Jaguars last year when they already had James Robinson, they drafted Travis Etienne. It's like, come on, what are you doing? <laughs> At least in terms of fantasy. Cause I, I did like Michael Carter heading in this year, but it would not surprise me if Brees Hall uh, becomes the workhorse back um, very early in the season. I think he's that talented. So you can get him at what RB 27. So that's, yeah. that's, that's a good range to get a guy where just based on the uncertainty, that's why he's going closer to once you start taking like backups, but he certainly offers enough upside to to take him there. Yeah. I'm, he's my RB 24. So yeah, um, I, I think he's, I think he's the lead back. We've won. Honestly, I, I think from everything if, I'm hearing out of camp, if not, it'll be very soon. Right. It'll be yeah. by week three. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I, I actually don't, I don't see how Carter was the season as the lead back. I think Carter's overvalued. He's, he's RB33. Uh, I yeah. have RB44. I just don't see enough usage to get, to get me to RB33, especially because you, you have Brees Hall in ADP at RB27 and then Carter at RB33. That's just, first of all, that's just way <laughs> too much production for the Jets right. backs combined. But yeah, I think Carter's the, the big loser for me. Oh, absolutely. This is the, the ADP I was referring to earlier, saying it was a complete joke. Um, obviously, he's one Bryce, Hill, Bryce Hall injury away from mm-hmm. you know, crushing this. But yeah, the fact that he's just a few slots behind Brees Hall is just, it, I don't know what's going on there. So yeah, I, I will have very little shares of Michael Carter at RB, uh, at RB33. It's almost like they ignored that they drafted Brees Hall uh, in the second round. So yeah, I'm completely off Carter at this point. Yeah. It's weird. It's like last week we talked about the NFC North and there's like value everywhere. And in the AFC East now we get here and it's like, it's like no one reacted to any of the moves (laughs) in the off season. Right. We're just going to slot these guys in for what they did last year. And that's that. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird, but that's, you know, that's obviously going to be my bust. Um, But uh, any sweepers, for the Jets, not really. Uh, I mean, if anything, Zach Wilson, where he's going, yeah, um, could be a hit. Like I said, especially if he taps in his rushing side starting week one this year instead of towards the end of the season. But he has too much talent around him um, <laughs> to to fail, in my opinion. But if he busts this year, then that's that's a very bad sign for him. So I think just based on ADP, he's the only guy that I think offers um, enough upside to warrant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll go Brees. I'll say Brees Hall just because yeah. I do have him ranked above where he's going. Oh, a couple spots. But yeah. I mean, you got 4.39 speed. You got you got talent. You mentioned, you know, kind of mixing the hunt he reminds you of. And uh, we know the Jets will play rookies uh, at, at this position because they did it last year with Carter. So, uh, yeah, like Hall. But I mean, this this whole offense, <laughs> you know, we could be looking at this whole offense like a sleeper. At, if they could all be most of them could be ADP, maybe not Carter. But uh, <laughs> the rest of those guys yeah. could be ADP if Wilson mm-hmm. just takes that leap, like you said. I mean, heck, even Corey Davis, where is he going? Like wide receiver? Oh six, yeah, eight? he could be. A, he was the number one receiver last year. He's for probably. A, a good he's time. probably. You know what? Screw it. He's my sleeper just because he's he's so cheap and like you said, he's he's just sitting right there. So yeah, yeah. All right, uh, that is going to do it for our AFC East. 
Fancy Flex Podcast. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker. You can find me at Chris Raybon. And you can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning Action Network app. Be sure to check out all of our other episodes. We have six other divisions done already. We will finish up next week with the NFC East. So keep it locked in the channel. And again, be sure to leave us a five-star review if you enjoy the pod. And we will pick one out to, uh, to get a free year of Action Pro. Uh, until next week, let's get this money. <laughs>